We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Oscar Robertson, Leo Sindor, what a year that has been. The Bucks are the world champions. Moncrief going inside. Ray Allen driving past Armstrong. The jam over McGrady. Two seconds. Middleton. Yes! Chris Middleton. Happy birthday, Jason Kidd. This place is up for grabs. Play basketball and win. And win? Yeah. How many games? Six. We're gonna, be, we're gonna win in six. Hello and welcome to episode 339 of the Win in Six podcast part of the Eurostep Podcast Network on Blue Wire Podcasts. In addition to being a Win 6 episode, I guess this is also Eurostep Podcast Network crossover, because I am joined, as always, by my good friend Jordan Tresky. Jordan, hello. Hello. And I'm also joined by my sometimes good friend, Ty Windish. Ty, Hello. Hello, good friends so far today. It's been a it's been a good start. We'll see if it lasts through the episode, but so far so good on that front. Yeah, it's making me uncomfortable. We'll see. We'll have to get to work on it now. We've got a lot to work through. Um busy kind of weekend for the books and in various different ways. There was a trade that I don't think any of us saw coming and for the kind of player that I don't think any of us saw coming. The Bucks officially announced their summer league roster. A summer league gets underway for the Bucks on Monday night. Today, as you're listening to this, if you're listening when it posts. And Drew Holiday, Chris Milton, you know, joining Jordan and Pippen as uh, teammates who won a championship and an Olympic gold medal in the same year. They're the first duo since... Michael Jordan, Scotty Pippen. So that seems pretty good. So let's work through all of that. We'll start with the trade. So the books. I mean, am I was I wrong in saying we're not expecting a trade before I even give the details? Were either of you anticipating this kind of deal? Uh, well, I mean, you've been on. You you thought there was a different, mainly two guards that still maybe think, moved. Still think it's in play, even more in play now. Maybe. Um, I, I didn't think, put it this way, I didn't think the Bucks would make a trade where they trade a non-rotational piece for a rotational piece and take on money while doing so. That is not the kind of trade I saw coming. Like, 
there's a lot of trades that like move a guy over, take a few less millions of dollars, cut the big luxury tax bill, or maybe a more just a less impactful trade, I think. I didn't really expect this much found money for very little cost. So, you know, did I expect any trade to happen? Maybe at this point, probably not as much because we did feel like we were getting to a place where, oh, the roster's pretty good. They've got more depth than they had, at least more spread out depth, more even depth. To, for them to do this as well, I feel like I, I said found money just now. It almost feels like this. It's almost like, you know, there's still resentment, I guess, or, or negative feelings about another move previously not made. But to see the roster continue to get fleshed out and just more playable players acquired, it, it's positive. I think it's a, it's a good move. It's a, it's a nice, pleasant surprise. I agree with Ty. I think it's... Um, the adding a rotation caliber player over Sam Merrill, who you know certainly intriguing shooting skills. Whether that translates to the NBA, we don't know. I believe I was just looking this up. I believe Memphis did not waive him ahead of his guarantee date, so it sounds like he's sticking with the Grizzlies. So we'll see if that benefits them. And he did play for their or, uh, G League team down the bubble. I mean, wonder wonder does he end up back on a two way? Even though it would have made sense to do that before his deal guaranteed, right? To yeah, because then because you'd have to sign a new contract. So, um, but I think Grace Allen, the upgrade to from Merrill to Allen, obviously fortifies the Bucks' backcourt when there's a lot of questions where with Dante, what, what is when is he's you know when is he going to actually start practicing? Um, when is he going to be you know kind of. Uh, when is he going to be at peak shape too during the season? Cause coming back during the season and after a long layoff, it takes a lot of time. Um, Ronnie hood, we all generally like the signing. It's a matter of, well, what kind of, what Ronnie hood are we going to get? Is it still him, you know, rehabbing himself from tearing his Achilles a couple years ago, or is it going to kind of be in the middle of, you know, what he used to look like pre Achilles or post Achilles It's kind of, you don't know. Now you get a, a bona fide shooter that they needed, especially with, you know, Bryn Forbes had his limitations, but I would say, you know, it's still a rotation piece that you needed. Now you get a, as good of a shooter with a little bit more um, defensive resistance, <laughs> even though I'm not saying Grace and Allen is a, a world beater, you know, defensively. I just think he offers, definitely offers more size, certainly more athleticism. I think that, kind of gets lost under the radar with what he brings to the table. More competitiveness um, as well, dare I say, Jordan. Yeah, dare dare I say you're you're not tripping when you say he's got some competitiveness. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Um anyway. <laughs> I, I think it's overall it's a win. It's you get a, a a look at a guy. And I think the the thing for me that I kind of just thought of or when they made the deal or seeing that they made the deal was, you know, He's going into a contract year essentially that he could be extended now, but mm-hmm. I don't, we there's no reason for the Bucks to do that right now. Dante is in the same situation. It's almost kind of like a challenge extension slash you know ch- trade almost in the sense that both have something to prove. Dante even more so because he's coming off an injury riddled year. We saw the Bucks win a title without him essentially during the playoff run. Um, Grayson Allen obviously motivated to find his place in, in a new new surroundings. Um, 
playing for his future, all that stuff. Like it's going to make for an interesting kind of uh, storyline thread, whatever you want to call it throughout the season where I'm not saying both will be on the team next year. I don't think that's the case. I mean, it very well be none of them will be on the team after next year. Um, I, I think that's, I you think it's the just books don't use bird rights. Is that what I'm hearing? I, I mean, it's, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. They have acquired not just Grayson Allen, but Grayson Allen's bird rights in this deal. It's worth noting. Exactly. But there is, it's, it's just a tool that you can use in whatever way they see fit, if they actually use the bird rights. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair. So to, to actually get into the specifics before we dive into kind of Grayson Allen, the player anymore, the books got Grayson Allen in exchange for Sam Merrill, as we said, plus two future second round picks. They are the second round picks that were acquired in the deal to move the 31st overall pick to the Indiana Pacers on draft night, which means what could have been a player 31 has now amounted to um, Sajir Mamou Kalashvili, uh, Yorgios Kalaitzalikas, and Grayson Allen. Um, that's, that's the haul in exchange for 31. And as much as I want them to use that pick, Grayson Allen in his own right is a good haul. Whether any of the rest of that turns out to be anything or was even, you know, the best use of the picks that they had left remains to be seen. Whether they may have other holes in their roster that they'll be looking to plug come kind of trade deadline time and they'll regret having used those picks so early. I think that's an interesting thing. I didn't see Horst, you know, pulling the trigger on a deal using these picks so early, talking about, you know, we needed to replenish the stocks. I thought, okay, it's like, that's the play for who's your next PJ Tucker. Not necessarily in like-for-like replacement, although potentially, but just in terms of impact type. But they've made the deal now, and I I don't, I think it's very hard to quibble with the value of the deal. It has been alluded to already, and I think it is important to point out, particularly as Jordan, you and I got on them about their uh, penny-pinching in our last episode, you know, they took on salary in this deal and the salary to take on in this deal, along with giving George Hill his, you know, his make good money, which is definitely part of the fact the the factor into that contract. And I just, terms. I want to run that quickly. I don't, I think that's just a George. I mean, look what Danny Green keeps getting. I don't think they're that different as players. I don't think it's make good money that George Hill gets 8 million over two years. Would the books have? I know there's no way to answer this, but I'm just I'm skeptical as the answer is. Would they have given another guard of Hill's age, profile, and ability level more than the minimum to fill the roster spot? Like if George Hill was just like, no, I'm not coming back to this franchise. Like I, I think part of the reason he gets that is because he's George Hill and because of the existing history that's there. Both good and bad. Like, I'm not saying it's necessarily tied to how he exited. I do think that could be a factor. But I also think it's, you know, he liked being here. The fans liked him. There's players on the team who like him. That's that's how I believe that works out. Jordan? I don't disagree. I do, I do not disagree with that, that at all. Are we also sure that he's going to be in Milwaukee for the full length of that contract because full length i don't know i think he'll get this season because uh, yeah this season for sure but i mean george hill's journey if he doesn't he's gonna get a really traded. he's gonna get a really <laughs> big payday on his next make good contract for the books because as we i mean you know I'll, obviously that's a big detail that we 
you know, last time we recorded, we didn't know the specifics on this contract. The fact that it's, they use part of their uh, mid-level exception, um, I think they still have like 1.9 million left. Yeah, but this is. is this is the thing. Like, that's also a selective use of your taxpayer mid-level. That's it's deciding you're going to use it, but using so much on Hill that you're never going to use the rest of it. But they can also use that for minimums. a buyout too, if they isn't do it that kind of though, isn't it? It is. So it, it'll probably never be all that useful. It's, it's not it, useful. So it's a great way of using it while also not using it and avoiding the full hit. Now, using four million of it still brings a significant amount into play, but. Under under other circumstances, if you weren't looking at the tax bill in the way they are, there's no way they wouldn't just be using the full kind of value of an exception on a player. Like, yeah. in not going further, they're not benefiting because they've left what's basically any kind of experienced players that men on the team. I mean, and also, too, Thanasis hasn't signed yet. We don't know what... I mean, we'll have to see what a reunion looks like with him if that comes to pass but who knows if they use part of that but to my point about the hill signing is that when you're talking about you know one year minimum or kind of what we were assuming or whatever the case may be rather than now how we're looking at it, like two years fully guaranteed four million you know annually who knows how the years are whether it's like escalating or de-escalating that kind of thing i think it's flat i think it's, it's flat, flat, flat it's fully flat. guaranteed okay yeah so it's four I million mean, a year I'm just saying. I'm not saying I would be. I would. I wouldn't be surprised if eventually that is moved off too. Could be traded this year in theory. Like, yeah, he could because he's now. We've talked for a long time. The books just don't have salaries to use on anything. You know that they've got Dante and Grayson Allen and George Hill now. That's a little package. You know, like it's yep. around the ten million mark if there was a player. I'm not suggesting they're going to do Actually, that. Actually, I think that's more. That might be like closer to thirteen. Okay, like that's. Is really what's Dante owed this year? First, looking at right now, it's between four and five, I think. Okay, well then, yeah, it probably is right around um the thirteen million mark. Like that's not insignificant. I don't think it's something that will be in their plans. But let's say something goes wrong or someone goes down injured, and you've got to really do something different. If you weren't keen on keeping those two players, and maybe George Hill isn't looking as good, well, there's your package of salary which they just didn't have options to do other than Brooke before, which kind of meant they didn't have options to do something. Yeah, so Dante is 4.675. Grayson Allen is just about 4 million. George Hill is, I think, exactly 4 million. So, so between 13. the three of them, they have about 13 million. Like, that's not insignificant. I don't... No. I'm not looking to that being how those guys are used. I'd rather Grayson Allen be good or Dante be good this season. And George Hill be good because if they were losing three guys who I think we'd all factor in as rotation players right now, um, when healthy, that would be a very tough thing for them to actually make up the numbers on that and put something together that's um, replicable. But look, we'll see. We'll see how the season pans out and if that comes to be a factor. Um, Grayson Allen, the player. I don't know if either of you had stronger reads on him when the deal was done. When the deal was done for me, I was like, I need to go and learn about Grayson Allen because he's a player I've been quite happy to ignore for quite a lot of his time in the NBA. Maybe part of that comes from the baggage that was there from his college days and everything that was there when, say, that draft came around and my first encounters of him would have been then or I guess 
no, I definitely I knew about him from his college days. I think most people knew about him from his college days. But I was very, very pleasantly surprised and continue to be even more pleasantly surprised the more that I've kind of dived in, not just to look at the numbers, but to just actually watch how he's played, to read about kind of, I think, how he's evolved and maybe the keyword is matured, particularly when he went to the Grizzlies, which not to be underestimated here too. I mean, Taylor Jenkins is the Grizzlies coach. Yep. I, I'm going to guess there was a... You know, some sort of goodwill phone call went in before this. You think they talked it before Game Four, or whatever game that Taylor <laughs> oh, Jenkins, Taylor Jenkins came? came to? Maybe you never know, Jordan. Um, but I, I'm gonna guess there was a phone call at some point where Bud is like, "Okay, before we make this deal, can I talk with you know my guy and get an honest appraisal of what he's like to coach?" I think, particularly with Grayson Allen's history, um, it seems like that would have been inevitable, but. All of this is to say that he's a really good player. Like, he's a really good player. This is someone who may end up being a starter. And for those two picks, to get someone like that is a big, big deal. So where were both of you in hearing the news? Maybe first of all, did you have a better feel on the player Grayson Allen is now? Or did you, like me, have to go and do some do some learning and be like, actually, he's a lot better than the guy say I remembered two years ago with the Jazz. What's interesting is I thought he was a better defender and a worse shooter than he is. I think he's an all right defender. I don't think he's great. I thought he would generate more turnovers than he does. He really doesn't. He hasn't yet averaged a steal in the league. Uh, and obviously a player that size, like 0.1, 0.2 blocks every year, that's not going to be a thing. Um, but 40%... To, uh, the year before last, 39% last year for him. And I went and dug in, and weirdly, this last year he shot 39% from deep despite not being all that good from the corners, Like, but he was quite good at, on above-the-break threes. And the year before, he was like 50% from the corners. So we'll see how exactly it translates. But I like that he's you know able to shoot from multiple of the, the three-point areas. He finishes in the restricted area better than Dante. I think he's like 56% last year. Dante in the mid-50s, which won't surprise anyone here. Dante hasn't been finishing all that great in the restricted area. Um, but I think the thing that stood out the most is, like, I thought he was just more of what I imagined him to be on the Bucks once everyone is healthy, like, you know, seventh, eighth kind of guy, maybe like a Pat Connaughton kind of player. He's a starter for the Grizzlies. Like, mm-hmm. he wasn't just a rotational player. He started more than he didn't last year for a playoff team in the West. Like, a proven player of his age available for what the box got him for. I mean, so it reminds me on draft day, it was like, well, if they're going to use the picks to actually do something, I don't hate this trade, but if they don't, that's when it sucks. And I, I was reminded of the Brogdon thing where, you know, they didn't, it, it certainly not quickly flip those picks and all that much. And it was a salary dump, right? Isn't that what they ultimately used? Or am I forgetting? I think they used the pick to dump money. I can't remember, whatever. Um, but before the season even starts flipping the pick into Grayson and, and the guys they drafted late feels really good. Like I don't think you, there's any chance you get a player who's walks into the league as good as he is right now. Very small chance that the player you would have drafted would have gotten here over time. Like he's just, he's a good player. Um, I think Utah probably kicking themselves that they let this guy walk after the one year or 32% from deep or, or got rid of him. Well, I, I guess say. he was, he was in the common right? deal, right? Right. Oh, yeah. So I guess they're not too upset about it. Yeah. Um, but maybe, maybe in retrospect. Sh- maybe should be a little bit more upset. Yeah. I mean, they, they've always had a billion young guys. They, they've had to give up. You guys were talking about Rodney Hood and uh, Burks. Like, 
All these young guys that have left the Jazz have been looked mm-hmm. so much better everywhere else. Like, that goes back. That goes back to when Millsap couldn't play over uh, Boozer and, and Al Jefferson. Jefferson, right? Yep. And then he went to the Hawks. And he was an All Star within a year. It's like it's, it's if if Exum actually does build his career into something, that would be pretty funny too. But uh, this deal, just quickly before, and I obviously want to hear what Jordan has to think about Allen himself, but. I just, I mean, we talked about like, oh, they could waive one of these guys like Merrill and sign somebody, and that would be another way. And they basically did that via trade. And again, like, much happier with the trade than if they had cut him to sign another vet min guy. Because you look at the guys who are left, and it's like, give me Grayson Allen over Dante Exum or JJ Redick. Millsap, you can make the case, I suppose. I forgot Redick's unsigned. Yeah, Redick is unsigned. Bucks fans want him. I'm I'm not a big fan. Um, But... I think it's, Allen is good, and it's a timeline fit, too. Like, it's the Giannis, Bobby Portis age. Same age as Sam Merrill. He's less than a year older. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, I don't know. That just, like, stunned me that Reddick's unsigned. I just kind of figured That's it. Like, I mean, well, I got Reddick when you can get the new Reddick. It's basically, exactly. like, Duke. that's the, the Duke being hated out of Duke, yeah. being able to shoot. Like, that's the progression. It's It's a bit of a difference from, you know, some of the the memes about you know we've got PJ Tucker at home, which were unfortunate for for Shemi Ojale, but it's it's a different vibe. There is a you don't need JJ Redick and yet yeah, no thanks based on Redick's past alliance with the Bucks. I just no oh, thanks yeah. to JJ Redick. No, I I think I mean it might as well just talk about this up front. It's hard to shed the uh label or the reputation because it's well earned at this point it, it wasn't just you know at duke it translated into the pros even in summer league i think there's i looked at wikipedia just to like see if i'm missing anything and they like <laughs> there is a section of foul related incidents and there tripping is. related incidents with grace and alan um and it's a lengthy section it's probably longer um, than his nba career section on- oh absolutely I, I think that's it's like yeah i would definitely think that it is (laughs) but so it's it's hard to kind of that's always going to stick with you and you know whether you give him the benefit of the doubt that he's changed his ways or you know just is kind of honed in on his competitiveness and just healness if that makes if that's a word um who knows but to ty's point he's an nba player he's improved every year granted his three-point shooting dipped a little bit but like even true shooting percentage, it was 60%. Here, let me bring this up. 60.9% in 2019-20 to 58.6% last year. That's pretty darn good. Um, starter for the Grizzlies. And if you really think about, like, the kind of wings that they have, like Dylan Brooks. Um, I know they drafted, like, Zaire Williams. Like, they, I can understand from their perspective why they made this trade. They they kind of cleared out some room. So Desmond Bain and DeAnthony Melton Bain, yes. as well. Like, so that's, yes. that is why they've... I don't think they got best possible value here at all. No. But I get why they were making a decision about moving someone. I just think this was not a good deal for them. But maybe they like right. Sam Merrill a lot is the thing. But to their point, they could also see, well, the Bucks are they're gonna have to make a decision on him. Are they gonna keep him after this year? We'll see. Are they gonna what what kind of deal does Grace Allen fetch next summer, depending on what he does this year? I I mean that's hard to say and what you know injury can always happen knock on wood um but just you never know um but to my to kind of like where i was at with it was 
first of all, they used a trade exception, which, you know, considering how the PJ Tucker saga like unfolded, the fact that they used one of these resources at their disposable disposal was encouraging to see <laughs> and to do it on a player. Yes. He's, you know, you know, on a team like the Bucks versus the Grizzlies, fringe starter is probably, you know, the top where he can probably hit. Still, that's something more that they had because we, like I said before, there were questions with their backcourt. It was still kind of like, you know, they have Pat who's, you know, durable and serviceable in so many different ways, as we've seen. Um, But you just kind of wanted a little bit more shooting, just something more, you know, just established. And I think Alan brings it to the table. It's... So many, I, and the thing too, to me, is that like Forbes, like Kyle Korver, like, um, forgetting other kind of like just pure shooters. I don't think you're that, forgetting any others because they didn't get any for a long time. Very true. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just think Steve, that works sir? really, I think that really works. No one else is going to get that reference. Uh, I think that just really works well with Bud, and he just knows how to just plug and play and find these good looks, even with losing a guy like Ben Sullivan. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just think I, I've I don't think it's a home run by any means because I don't think it's that type of deal. But I think it's just a good use of the resources. You get a good player, and it just it checks a lot of boxes that the Bucks were obviously looking for in the full scope of their offseason. I think. What I, what's really encouraging to me is suddenly, even if you only think two out of Wara, Hood, Semi-Ojale are like legit rotation players, if two of them are, you're now 11 deep. If only one is, you're still 10 deep. Like, all of a sudden, it's just, we went from, you know, in the playoffs, not a very deep roster. Deep enough, not super deep. After just the, about. After, I guess, like, history shows they were deep enough. They, were, I mean, they, yeah, you can't... were they actually deep enough? No, but somehow they were. Yes, they, they scrapped it together. And then, you know, post day one of free agency when it was, Hood wasn't until day two, right? So I think you add, you keep Bobby, you lose PJ, you add Ojale. It's like, oh, my God, oh now it's really, really fraught. Since then, you add Hill, you add Grayson Allen, you add Rodney Hood. Um, it's like doing all that with very little resources it's it's just good. Like flipping Merrill into Grayson Allen is like one of those moves that the general league landscape won't care about. We're too busy talking about Russ on the Lakers still, but it's they, just like such they a might good care about move it in months. like May though. That's they, yeah, it's that's, that's when that's when it's gonna come up. When I mean, this tune was... in and they'll, they'll be like, how did how did the Bucks get Grayson Allen? And <laughs> and they'll be like, who's Sam Merrill? Right. So, sorry, no, Sam I mean, Merrill. Uh, yeah, I, the thing that you know what the funny thing is about. Not wanting to because they don't want to pay Grayson, right? That's the thing. If well, if Merrill hits, let's say Merrill's awesome, his contract's up after the year. That's so a what? Good point. It, it reminds me a lot of the Blazers, and I think this worked out better for the Blazers. But like, we have to we have to get off Gary Trent. We don't want to pay him. Let's get Norm Powell and pay him more. Like, it, yeah, it's so your best case is you have to pay a guy. Your worst case is you gave up a guy for you know generally just a bad selection of picks. I mean, it's enough to get you. Another Grayson Allen if and picks that dumb team, honestly but. picks that are probably going to be packaged for another trade, probably. Um, yeah. But I, I struggle to think that those picks would get you another player this good. I guess they just did, but um, no, I think it's it's certainly worth the gamble of Dante or Grayson, <laughs> whoever whoever pans out. And I mean, we don't expect him to start long term, but I still think that that two job, that starting two job, is just fascinating to keep an eye on. 
Because if Dante is not ready by the beginning of the season, as you guys joked, we have no idea what the timetable is. You might, you might not. I mean, but I think it could, like you could name like four different guys, I think on the roster and probably convince me that they'd have a shot at winning it. It's weird. We're kind of like weirdly back at where we were post Brogdon, even, even that the Bud's first year, where it's like Brogdon, you have Sterling Brown, you have Pat, you have, yep. Uh, and the I'm team, missing... the team lacked front court depth, which is kind of yeah. where we've had a row reversal just in the space of a few weeks. Yeah. yeah. Then, then the next year it was Wes or Dante, and then last year Dante Pat. Yeah, it's, it never goes away. Yep. Forbes, I forgot Forbes. Forbes. Start Forbes, my big thing. So much for that. <laughs> yeah, so much for that is right. The thing with this though, if you when you're kind of make a reference to say the the Norm Pell Trent deal, and yeah, it is a case of. Well, maybe neither team is crazy on the player they're going to send out. The Bucks are getting the better player here, though. Like, it's just, it's undeniable. He's the player with real experience. He's the player who I do think he has more ability, more sticking power because he has the athleticism he has. And, you know, someone like Pat, like, you just, you just have to look. There's, there's a certain type of player where, you know, limitations could be overcome or you could find other ways to work if you're really athletic. Grace Allen is. But on top of that, he's a better shooter, too. I, I just find it a weird deal from the Jazz or the Grizzlies' perspective because it's they're both 25. Sure, Grayson Allen's a little bit older, a few months older, but they are both currently 25 years of age. So to swap out two guys the same age, same kind of contract situation, although obviously a lower hit for Merrill this year, when one has been starting games... I don't th- do either of you remember or have you come across it just in kind of studying up. The way Grayson Allen closed out the playing game against the Warriors to get the Grizzlies into the playoffs, it's like this is a guy who's been like playing real games, like not just regular season games. Like that's that's the highest stakes moment of the Grizzlies season to that point and I guess ultimately of their season. And he hit two massive trees. He came up with a steal and went down the other end and made a tree that kind of won them the game when all was kind of said and done in overtime. So that's it's a long way from Sam Merrill is really where I'm going out with this. Um, just in terms of Grayson, like his shooting is very good. Like all things told, I think you've got to you've got to say it's good. He had a tough first year, but forty point. 40.4% on 3.7 attempts from deep in the second year. Last year, then, upped his attempts to 5.5 with 39.1%. Like, he's shooting efficiently at volume. That's a big win. It's something the Bucks haven't had a whole lot of outside of, say, Forbes. And I'm really excited for ways that the Bucks could make him into something else. I think his ability to drive and his ability to basically explode he's got a quick first step and he can take off in a way that you know in theory Dante can as well but I don't think Dante is prone to that we know Dante goes up pretty soft that leads to Dante layups and that's been its own story and its own problem for a number of years I think there's different ways the books will be able to utilize Grayson Allen he'll be kind of dangerous attacking off the catch if he doesn't look to shoot off the catch and that could really add a couple of new wrinkles I, I think it's really tough for Dante. This is a move where if you're Dante or Dante's agent, you've got to be worried. The team tried to trade you a year ago. They just won a championship with you injured. You're now mm-hmm. injured with an uncertain timeline coming back. And they bring in someone who is, you know, 
they've mostly got your skills. There's a little bit of plus and minus between them when it comes to shooting and defense. But I think this may ultimately come down to who is closer to the other's ability in a set skill. At the moment, I feel like Grayson Allen can give you just a little bit closer to Dante's defense than Dante can give you to Grayson Allen's shooting. And that could be the difference. But if Dante is not ready to go at the start of the season, like if Grayson Allen gets that spot, he could make it his own. And that could be that. I mean, my one other thing, and just looking at particularly how he played kind of latter part of last season. This is a guy with actual potential to break out a little bit more and be better than he has been. Like, it's not completely inconceivable if he was a starter and he played like pretty healthy minutes that Grayson Allen could become a 14, 15 points per game kind of guy, which is something the books have desperately been lacking for years. And part of the reason why they did manage to go and win a championship was Pat kind of came out of nowhere to be like, I'm going to give you 11 points per game during kind of the most crucial stretches of the playoffs. So that has me very excited. I am I'm a little kind of still concerned about the shape of the Bucks roster and some of the decisions it's going to force them into at the four and the five spot in the regular season. Like right now I'm looking and I'm not I'm not seeing where the rest comes for Brooke. I'm not seeing how they're going to spare Giannis from having to play some five in the regular season. That's that's somewhat tricky. But we work our way back down the roster towards the backcourt and the wings. They are just loaded, absolutely loaded, which is a nice place to be. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I think I want Giannis playing some five in the regular. Just not a lot, but I want the more, I want more reps there. I don't mind him playing there some. I just don't want his total minutes burden to be that high. But I think that's where like one of Hood Ojale playing some four is going to be an important thing. But I would like a quote-unquote true center. Maybe Diakite gets more run. I'm not sure. I'm I just I'm sorry. I hope to be proven wrong. I just don't think he's real. Like I know he's real. I know he exists. But I, I didn't say it was real. I just I, said they might try him more. I don't think it's a good idea. Like if you're going into the season that Diakite is your backup 5, that's trouble to me because that means Giannis is your backup 5 and is going to have to do a lot of that. Where really, you know, at some point it doesn't hurt to be able to have Giannis and Brooke off the floor together. I, it's the it's the spot where I just still think they need to find a veteran who can do something there or give you some combination of minutes. Like I, with the way the roster is built, they're gonna be smaller than they've ever been, and actually small in a different way than what they've been. But I don't know. Diakite is not something that maybe the next few days, maybe it's summer league. He can win yeah. me over with full-on breakout, but uh, there is a need, I think, for that and a need for a strong camp if the books are thinking that way. 
Um, I was also looking uh, just to see, because obviously considering Grayson and Dante were in the same draft class, just wanted to see if maybe the Bucks worked out Allen, even though that it's been hush-hush for the last couple of years with draft workouts, all that stuff. And there was a reported uh, thing. I think I actually wrote about it. <laughs> you were the source, um, is what you're saying. Yes, I was. Well, not I wasn't the source. You were the aggregator. Yeah. Um, and the Bucks did work him out. So there, whether they were going to take him at was it 16, right, or 17? Uh, 17, that 17 year, right? right? Who's to say? I, I'm not saying. I mean, he was taking a couple picks after they that. Like a 21st, so, yeah, yeah, but. It is interesting just to see, like, they're, you know, you see these players for a long time. And granted that Grace Allen is probably the most famous basketball player coming out of that class <laughs> for for all the reasons, you know, playing at Duke for obviously the heated things that he got into. Like, it is interesting that you're just going to have your eyes on a prospect for a long time, even after the make of the pros. The one, so, the one thing on his reputation that I think we need to get through is, his reputation is for being a dirty player on the court. Now, there's a couple of things. One is, to me, and I'm open to correction for anyone who's like being religiously watching Grizzlies and Jazz games, it feels like it's a couple of years since he's had any kind of incident. It was Summer League with the well, let me, Grizzlies. Yeah, let me go back to that. Summer Wikipedia League is section. the last one. In the Summer League yeah, with the Grizzlies. So he, he had just arrived. With, there is a ton in college. I know all he that. He could not stop tripping, guys. He just couldn't. It was... The books have had like, a player like this. The books have had a player with this exact reputation. It was Delhi. Delhi is oh yeah. a dirty, dirty player who had a reputation for taking guys out at the knees. Yeah, and he's like yeah. the nicest guy you'll ever meet. All the teammates love them. Like what matters for me on that is, and I know there is some Wisconsin Badgers baggage here that makes it a lot tougher to stomach for for a lot of books fans. If and it seems to be the case, it seems like he's matured in his time in Memphis because. He used to be more troubling to me than, say, those things, although, you know, don't do that. I don't want them doing that. But more troubling as a player that a team is going to go and acquire or a team might look to resign if it's a good year would be if he was still prone to having some of the tantrums it seems like he used to have. It, it doesn't seem like any of that behavior is kind of destructively folding in on itself, affecting the rest of your team. He seems to have matured got used to life in the nba and life as an nba role player which is what he is and always will be and if that's the case like maybe he tripped someone at some point hope he doesn't it wouldn't be great no one should be doing that but if he does it's kind of like okay as long as he's a good guy for the books he's not causing any internal problems as long as the guy he trips isn't like Giannis at practice well then it's it's not the end of the world there are guys maybe no one with as severe a reputation but i do think there's a difference when we go through this whole process there are multiple guys who have reputations for different things and different things on the court off the court that factor into how we view them as you know players coming into the team and with the books that's become a particular factor because they've clearly had a an emphasis on high character guys and a type of person who wants to come in and when this deal was announced i saw a lot of books on saying like well this doesn't fit that at all I don't know if that's true. I don't. Yeah, I, 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 don't. I don't really see the correlation. Like, I there isn't a whole lot. And I looked and I tried to ask a few people who know a little bit more and be like, 
is there something here I need to know about as in as an NBA player or as he's there there isn't like Grayson Allen is a bad teammate. That's not a thing that's there in his NBA career. So that would be the main concern for me. So I'm not really all that concerned about the fact that he he occasionally trips people, but even more accurate that is he used to trip people or he was prone to these kind of plays. It's been a while, but as long as his behavior is not going to disrupt what the books have going and become a, an issue that kind of just adds any kind of sideshow to them, I'm fine with that. And there's there's little reason to believe that that won't be the case. Agreed. Yeah, I mean, I'm on board. Listen, the first time he kicked someone directly in the Achilles, I, I saw a different angle. That's that's all I'm saying. It's it's the Marcus Smart thing. Like, everybody wants... Do you want to elaborate on that? What, what angle no. did you see? Nope, no? nope, okay. nope. nope. Um, but it's the Marcus Smart thing, right? It's like you hate, you hate Marcus Smart on the Celtics unless you cheer for the Celtics, and then you love Marcus Smart. And I will say... I can feel a lot better about Grayson. And again, it, it has been years. I don't think I, – I, I hope he's not going to kick anyone in, in the back of the leg or anything. But, um, you know, I'd feel a lot better about him as a player than like Olenek, who a lot of people wanted Olenek. I've seen that guy like try to rip arms out of sockets before. Like I can, I can support a former tripper. And again, you go from being 20, 21 to 25, I think things just kind of change for you. I think so, it's all relative though, even on Olenek. It's like – Olenek likes to rip arms out of sockets. Daly used to go for knees. Allen likes to trip. Yeah, none of these things are great, but the books, for example, had someone on their roster briefly last season, someone who we just generally like leave yes. nameless. Yeah. That there's very different bring this out. there's very different reasons to be like, yeah, no, that's something that I don't want to the team or don't want around that. Like there's there's sporting things, there's sporting foul play, and then there's real life things that are just a greater reflection of character. I, I, I'm i okay with this side of it. Like, I don't think it needs to be a big thing that Bucks fans carry forward into the season. And I, I think even people who are upset about like something that happened years ago with college basketball, it's like, come on, get over it. That's going to be very unpopular, but it's, <laughs> it's just, just it's, uh, it's not a big deal to me. Like, no, it's, it's just I'm... not. On the teammate thing, after the trade was announced, we did get a tweet from John ja Morant. Handshake emoji, crying face emoji, the number three emoji, Grayson Allen. Emoji, Grayson Allen wore number three. Go be, bra- go be great, brother, and then a heart emoji. And he tagged him, and he put up a very nice picture of them high-fiving in the bubble. So they had like a, they it wasn't had like hated. A, they had like a click when I, when I was looking around, and I was like, okay, what do I need to... A lot of Grizzly stuff on a lot of John ja Morant posts. I can't remember who else... There was like four of them anyway who were clearly really, really close. And Jaren Jackson? Was, was Clark Jackson. one of them? Was Clark? Yes. Brooks? Po- possibly Brooks was. But anyway, there yeah, was like yeah, four. We don't need to work out exactly who it was. <laughs> but who are the four? <laughs> Jamara has like a crew of sorts that they had like one a nickname down, for themselves go, kind of thing. <laughs> and Grayson Allen was part of that. So, I mean, if... Jamarant one seems great. He was one of the few players who just watched books games like a like a normal fan, and when they did good things, was excited all throughout the playoffs. So big fan of Jamarant. But oh yeah, if the best player on a team is like, yeah, this guy's fine with me. You know, this guy is fine with me on the court. I like him off it. Like that's that's all you want. That's really as much of a testimony as you need. It's you know? uh, it's a little more encouraging than LeBron's tweet when the Bucks first signed Delhi. <laughs> Oh my god! 
What was that? I can't remember that one. He was restricted, so the Cavs could have matched. And the oh, moment, yeah. the moment gone, it yeah, was yeah. announced. He was a confirmation. They're like, yeah, Belly's gone. Good luck over there, bro. You had a great time here in Cleveland. All the best. Like, no, no shot of me matching this contract. GM LeBron stepped in fast. He's um, like, hey, hey, great, great run congrats here, to my brother, Matthew Deli, on his deal. Good luck in Milwaukee. Very deserving to you and your family. One. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, LeBron was right about that contract in, in, in retrospect. Hey, no shots at Deli. Deli got himself a medal in recent days, which is a big achievement for him and for all those Australian players. And Deli has... Had a tough time with just trying to get back on the court and get his health together. Yeah, recently. that's so, yeah. So that was that was very cool to see for him too. Speaking of medals, then let's get to the books part of the equation. Two gold medalists: Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, <laughs> Jordan is uh, Jordan is making horns sides. It's a different kind of that's a different kind of metal. Sam man playing tonight. Sorry. Sandman's medal with George's, you know, it's coming. That's in the future. But medals, Jordan. Chris and Drew, they followed up um, their NBA Finals heroics, winning the first championship of their career by wasting no time getting on a plane, jetting off to Tokyo. In Chris's case, I think that week went play a finals game, day off, parade, child born fly to Tokyo, play in the first Olympic game. That was a day-to-day kind of, you know, five days in the life of Chris Middleton, which is pretty remarkable. But him and Drew, they went without any of the advantages a lot of the guys had in terms of having a camp, getting used to playing in, well, whatever kind of system the U.S. were running. At times, I think it actually only became more defined when Drew arrived and started to play. But they didn't have that time, didn't have the luxury of that, and they were ultimately kind of thrown into things. Both grew in importance as it went on, and Chris not to the same extent. But by the end of it, Chris was a real rotation player where that wasn't necessarily the case at the start. And Drew was a starter, and Kevin Durant was the undoubted star of this Team USA gold medal winning effort. I don't think there's any doubt, really, that Drew Holiday was the next most important player on the team, and he kind of knit it all together so uh, what are your reactions to this on the one hand we would have expected it when they first jetted out on the other hand once they got there and when they lost their previous meeting to france i mean the episode we did ty did you and rohan both i know rohan was definitely like they're not winning gold i feel oh, like the i was last, the only the person who time... said they'd win gold I think on that one, the last time Rohan and I talked on the way out, I asked him and he said they were going to win gold. I did not think they would. And I think that was, I think they had won one of the knockout games and they had two to go. So I think they had, who'd they have left? Australia and then Spain France. and then Australia, then France. Was, yeah. So I think, I think it was after the Spain game is when I said they wouldn't because Spain, Spain did not look like Spain often looks in these competitions. So I, I Rohan had come over. I had not, so I think it, it's super cool that it was in doubt. I think, I think that's not even dramatic to say. I mean, oh, we, it was not not just our thoughts. I mean, they they had lost games, which they never do. Um, but it's cool that it, it was a contested Olympics, and Drew Holiday is one of like the two or at at least three most important players on the team that did end up, you know, coming back and winning winning it all. 
there, I'm trying to, what was the stat or stat fact? Uh, the only other two Bucks players to win gold are Ray Allen and Michael Red. That would so sound right. Yeah. Su- and one summer, <laughs> the Bucks doubled that. Um, and to do it after an NBA title, which, you know, not just after an NBA title, literally two weeks, right? Two weeks ago? <laughs> time is time is a blur right now, but... Um, two weeks tomorrow? Like, not even two weeks? Two weeks tomorrow, right? No, it's got to yeah. be three now. I Maybe think it's it was three. Two it's weeks last three? Week. I think it was two weeks last week. I could be wrong. No, I think they won it on the 20th. 20th Jordan, there yeah. you know, time is a relative concept. Exactly. Um, but what isn't is that the Bucks are... <laughs> Have two gold medalists and they won a title. I mean, that's that in itself is just crazy. And the fact that they kind of did it, that USA did it in a very Bucks-like run, where you know they lose the friend. That was the opening game opening for game. them. Opening, opening game. game. And of course, doubt creeps in. You know, questions about like you know why the roster was constructed this way. The general just kind of weirdness around the Olympics and just you know. Relying on three key players like Devin Booker, Chris, Drew, that just finished up the NBA season, the finals, all that stuff. Like, it, it was just such a mishmash <laughs> to get into Tokyo and all this stuff, and then to have it be rewarded in this run and staving off those uh, doubts and questions, and just kind of like what ultimately is, you know, their what, what can come from this and just the expectations that they're always going to win and fighting that all the way through. Even we saw it when Chris is with the team USA a couple years ago in FIBA World Cup. Like it just kind of, it, it that would just even heighten, you know, 10 times more just because of the unique nature of this, you know, the Olympic games and all that stuff. And so to see that they won gold, obviously great, but to see Bucks players play a consequential role in that run is just even more fun. I mean, I think that's the kind of thing that we obviously haven't had to get used to because the Bucks were just generally bad <laughs> for a long time for my life. And to have like players, not just, you know, Chris Drew, Jordan Wara playing for Nigeria, but obviously Giannis, the Nass, like Ursan before that, like seeing these playing or seeing international players play for their countries and all that stuff is a really cool experience. And I think it's one that we just don't put a lot of stock in because you just don't want them to get hurt when it comes down to buck season, but to see that all get rewarded and all that stuff, is just, I don't know. I, I find that very enjoyable. And also when, I mean, when you look Michael red being the last player on an Olympic team, generally for the books before this year, right? That's, on a U.S. Yes. Olympic team, I should say. Yeah, the Redeem team. Yeah, so that's in 08. Like, he played eight games, nine minutes per game, averaged 3.1 points. Like, you're on the team, it's a big deal. But a peripheral figure, even more so than, say, Chris was, or Chris wasn't kind of a key part of this, but Chris is still playing, like, 14 and a half minutes per game. So they had real roles. And in Drew's case, just kind of, an unbelievable year. I don't feel for Drew if he was still with the Pelicans. This would have come about, even though he would have been no less deserving for his play style and you know what he offers defensively and how that's particularly beneficial for a team like this. But just kind of a big leveling up in terms of how those guys are perceived by 
their peers and by other key figures within the kind of the basketball community. That's what gets them to this point. And yeah, that's changed forever, right? This is always one of the things I'm most interested in. Those two guys have really interesting legacies building and potential to really add to that and get themselves to, you know, places I don't think we'd have imagined not that long ago. Like Chris, a couple of all-star appearances already. Drew's got one. I think they both need to add a couple more there, but it's certainly possible given the Olympic gold bump, the NBA championship bump. Um, all NBA teams, I think for Chris, the third team, he's just missed a couple times. wouldn't have hurt him. But you've got championship. You've got gold medals. They both have been all-stars. Drew does have some accolades from his college and even his high school playing days. Like, you're on the ground towards building Hall of Fame resumes. And that's amazing. And that obviously takes into the fact, you know, if the Bucks manage to get another championship or another couple of championships over the the next four or five years, whatever it may be, and those guys are a part of it, well, that would all but seal it. But they're just entering into a totally different stratosphere from, you know, are they good enough to be the second or third best players on a championship-winning roster? Their their path now is going to be like, oh, no, can these guys continue to do the kind of things that could ha- have them enshrined in the Hall of Fame when all said and done? I think Chris is like a couple more step pat building years away at this point. I mean, yeah, the, the total the resume... Yeah, I mean, it's it's what he's accomplished already. I think Drew has probably got a little bit farther to go just because he hasn't been on as many playoff teams yet. But again, if they stick around, even if they don't win a title, which we certainly hope they win a couple more over the next few years, but play out their contracts in Milwaukee, build up some of the total stats, have you know maybe an all-star more each or something like that, you would hope the Bucks get some assistance there after only having one last year, now that they're title winners. But... You know, the Bulls might have six All-Stars this year and the Bucks only have one. So we'll see how that goes uh, for each team. But, um, but yeah, no, That's I think it is awesome. That's a joke. It's also what we're going to be talking is about. It, is, it? is it? No, is no, it It's going to be real. They're going to have six All-Stars and the Bucks will have one. It's, I don't know how you keep Lonzo out of the game, man. It's, it's hard to – are they going to be – here's a question. All-Star, 2022 All-Star game, are they going to be more Bucks or Ball Brothers? Serious question. I don't know. The Bucks put ring and tampering, so you know when it comes down to that. Ooh, fair enough. I forgot to tweet that joke after they won. Damn. <laughs> what about good? Ring I mean, night. Save you, that for ring you night. You could do it yeah, before the go. pod posts are. You know, That's true. You've got I'm going to save it for ring night. There we go. There um, we go. I'll go more books, but not. I'm not like convinced in that being the case. There's a sad, sadly real chance that it's a push. That's what that's what will keep Drew out of the All Star game. Well, there was there's one ball brother who might. Oh, let's leave it alone. That's. <laughs> well, yeah, we will. I mean, unless we'll be talking Levar? somewhere. <laughs> we'll be talking somewhere league shortly. If you want to talk about Jello. Um. No, I don't want to talk about uh, Jello that much. <laughs> um. But I think this is over. Like them, Drew and Chris staying healthy is a perfect result. Winning gold is a perfect result. Drew being awesome. It would have been great if Chris had, you know, just played more of a role. He he wasn't that that important of a player for for Team USA. He had some good moments for sure, but some of the stats came in, in essentially garbage time. But 
Chris, a guy who's had more miles on over the last few years than Drew, although they both played a ton this season. And even, I mean, this year, Drew missed some time to COVID. It's not like that's a vacation, but still it's, it's right. less miles and, and didn't play as much in the bubble. Hasn't been on these deep playoff runs like Chris. So I'm sure it would, have, it would have been great if Chris and Drew both were starting by the end and had huge games all the way through. But Team USA is stacked at wings. The, guy, the Bucks got there late. I think if there wasn't a huge point guard hole, there's a pretty good shot that Drew's minutes end up looking more like Chris's minutes, which is fine. I, I don't have an issue. Like, let Chris get a little more rest. He, more than anyone, has been through a lot over the last couple of weeks and couple of years. So I, I think, honestly, all in all, it's like a pretty ideal result for me as, as far as the Bucks are concerned. And Mora looked good, and that, that's a bonus too. Jordan Mora looked great. It's a pity he just couldn't get one more game and have Nigeria get to uh, get yeah. to the knockout phases and see him in that kind of – he was the guy. Like, And as it went on, there was no no illusions about it. It was like, no, this is, this is the guy. We've got to play through him. We've got to let him go to work. And he was up to the task, which – it may only have been three games, but like you've got to think for his confidence in its own right, it's just a big, big deal heading into next season that it's like, yeah, I was at the Olympics representing my country and they were being like, yeah, you go and cook. And he was able to do it. So that's definitely, definitely a big deal. Let's use that to uh, transition over to what our focus is going to be, I guess for the next week or so. Anyway, some of us may be more locked in than others. Um, that is generally how this goes when it comes to Summer League. Some get more excited than others, right, Jordan? <laughs> yes. Are you excited? I'm not going to be able to see some of the games live. But will you watch them after the fact? Uh, depending on the, the availability. <laughs> that's the thing. I think the first two are ESPN, the other two are NBA TV, so it's like, uh Having to rely on NBA TV is not that much fun. <laughs> I was just trying to get at, has the championship dampened your enthusiasm for Summer League? That's really what I wanted the answer to. I mean, Jamie I, Dynan talked about running it back. Does that include Summer League? Is that what we're <laughs> Have the Bucks even won a championship yet? That's the real question. Until, until they have one in Vegas, who could say? Exactly. Um, I love Summer League until the moment it starts and literally within 10 seconds I'm like this is the worst kind of basketball there is but there is some reasons for intrigue with the books this year Um, they have released their roster shall I read through their roster and then we can kind of talk about who we're excited to see can I make one more international game note before we get there I just realized something live I've been furiously googling for minutes there's a potential Adam Fever dream that's going to be lived out in 2022 or 2023, one or the other. There's a shot that Zaza Pachulia and Sandro Mamakelashvili share the court on the Georgian national team. What? Is Zaza's retired? He could still play for. Isn't? Is it? Could it be a power thing, or is he retired from international ball oh, too? He's, he works in the Warriors front office. Take a leave of absence. Never say he never. He hasn't played never like three never. years. I, you know, I'm all for Eurobasket, Sandman, and Zaza. But it's, uh, that he's would part be. He'll be 39. Listen, I mean, he's Powell still in shape. Still he's arguably even more in shape now than he was as a player. I'm just saying, I think that Georgia is one of the hosts of Eurobasket 2022. Yeah. That's so true. they're for sure going Ooh. to the finals. Hey, man. Never say never, Adam. Don't count out Zaza. Well, 
listen, I just I happen to know enough and to continue to follow Zaza day to day <laughs> to know that he's not in fact a basketball player anymore. So I wonder what what were you doing with all the googling? So just checking when Euro basket was. I was ever not that, and I was trying to see if they had ever played together before. Okay. So, because I think Georgia tried to qualify in 2019, but that was Zaza's last year. Yeah, and I don't retired, think like... I don't think I know I know he hasn't played since 2019. Listen, Powell is the basis for me powering through this because he's still trying. Maybe he's, I, I did I forgot Zaza had a front office job, but uh, I don't think I don't think either guy was on the team in 2019, which is disappointing. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen, but we can always hope, Ty. Okay, the summer league roster. Jalen Crutcher, Mamadi Diakite, Paul Abua, Stephen Enoch, Jamario Jones, Sandro Mamu Kalashvili, EJ Montgomery, John Mooney. Maybe. 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 I'm not believing EJ Montgomery is ever affiliated with the Bucks until I see it live at this point. <laughs> Jordan Wara, Theo Pinson, Brandon Randolph, Mike Smith, Demetric Trice, and Tyree Weiss. Um, actually, something that I didn't know, and I'm just in the process of scrolling here, I found I out, think... is that Pat St. Andrews is the head coach uh, with Vin Baker, Blaine Mueller, and Skylar Rimmer being the assistant coaches. What are our thoughts? There's a little bit less interest here than I think we anticipated a little while ago. One, because we thought Merrill was going to be there, although we're perfectly fine with the reasons why he's not. Elijah Bryant was someone we thought was going to be there. That's kind of unclear as Jordan. He's got that cast. I was going to say, as Jordan is always the first to note, he's got that cast. <laughs> That's about as far as we've got with the information <laughs> on it. But There's no ta- yeah, there's a timetable that we just don't know. People, so people on the know. street wow. are like, what about Elijah Bryant? And Jordan just appears and he's like, he's got that cast. <laughs> Pointing to my wrist. Um... But okay, so still from rostered players. Oh, the other thing is uh, Georgios Kalaitzaikis is not there. Seems to be issues with FIBA clearance and time for this, which is disappointing, kind of problematic, I would say, too, for the books would have liked to look at him, I'm sure, in this setting before locking in like a two-way, if that's what they're going to do. But yeah, I guess we'll see. So of rostered players, we've got Diakide, we've got Jordan Wara, and of course, we've got Sandman. Um, Sandra Mamakoshvili is going to be there, and he has his two way contract locked in, according to recent reports. So for two years, too. For oh, two. okay. It doesn't. It it doesn't. They're not. It doesn't matter, it but doesn't, it is yeah. for two. Yeah. It's. I guess it's just part of the process when you draft someone. It's like, yeah, we, we'll give you two years. Yeah. It's. It's yeah. more just the optics of it. So it matters in that sense, but not yeah. really in practice. Uh, if he's anything real, the reality is he'll end up on a real contract long before those two years are out. Yeah. Um, but I know, I know we're going to talk about some other guys, and Ty in particular has like he's got. When's the last time you got to talk herd, Ty? Like it's been a long March twenty twenty. <laughs> yeah, I mean, re- there's a lot uh, of pent up herd then, stuff there. Wait, since then, out. every herd combo is either are they coming back? Presumably. Uh, where are they playing? Presumably the same place. And how good are some of their players looking elsewhere? And and pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, so, yeah, it'll be nice to talk. Heard players playing for the Bucks organization. 
before we get to some of those other guys then, which include past herd players and almost certainly future herd players, because that's often how this works. What are you guys looking to see or who are you most interested to see from those actual books rostered players? Jordan, I'll throw to you first. Um, obviously, Sandman, just because you just want to see this delightful weirdness be born out on the court and what it looks like in an NBA setting. Granted, these guys are, you know, some of them are new draft picks coming in like Sandman. Some of them are, you know, uh, either established or maybe have to bring up their career after getting drafted recently. But it's still a, an improved and uh, level of competition. And just how do they fit in, in a very parred down way, but how do they fit in kind of the buck system? Um, I think that's always interesting, but one, one thing very... actually to note there on that too, though, Jordan, and I probably should have said it when we mentioned Elijah Bryant, Elijah Bryant is also evidence of a different yes. path for this, which is he came, he showed out with the books at summer league. They couldn't get a deal done at that time when he became very in demand, but it doesn't mean that like two years later, two successful years overseas that you may not end up circling back and being on the roster. So from that perspective, that's Christian Wood the year before that, like there is a Mm -hmm. legitimate, you know, you, who knows how it turns out. And granted, I'm not saying these Christian Wood is kind of an anomaly in itself just because of, you know, he was a very talented player, but there was a lot of character questions, red flags that parlayed him going undrafted and then taking the path that he did. Elijah Bryant's a very different case, but obviously that seeing someone do that successfully or, you know, be that successful over, you know, that run that obviously led to the point where he was on the Bucks roster during their championship run. Did he play a lot of minutes during it? No, but you know, we all know. Um, but I'm very excited to see Wara. I, I think coming out of the Olympics and looking, I mean, it, it wasn't anything different than what we saw in very, um, you know, small minutes and just limited run. Granted, those games are very out of character than the rest of the season, just because it's, you know, the bench mob is getting, the, or the trench gang, sorry, is getting uh, getting their run and all that stuff. But just, he clearly can just score at such a great level. Um, I think that's very exciting. I mean, we saw Rashad Vaughn play three summer leagues uh, in a row, and it was just like, okay, we're just chucking up shots and just it like, was painful. I, it was very painful. And there's always, when you're, you're a very score-first player, like clearly Jordan Moore is, there's always the capability for it to be like, uh, he's taking up a lot of shots as you make him. We don't know. Like, it's it's hard to project that. But, like, I just think the more I see of him, the more I just, there's something there. And I don't know if it's, you know, I don't know if it's, we're going to be talking about him like, oh, who is he going to be vying for minutes between Pat, Grayson Allen, uh, Dante, Rodney Hood, like all that stuff. I don't know about that, but there's just something there with him that it's just kind of magnetic for me that you just kind of want to keep seeing what he has. And to see more of that with the Bucks is going to be really interesting. Yeah, I think there's a couple players I'm going to be excited to watch and, and talk about on the Summer League roster, but War has got to be number one. I mean, you talk about something there. With Nigeria, he averaged 21 points per game. Per 36 in the NBA, he's averaged 22 points. And across averages two NBA starts, also 21 points per game. And high rebound numbers, 
in all three of those places. Well, I think the lowest with Nigeria, that's because their team was huge and they just had no guards. So they, they had big guys, though, a little harder to grab them. But I think, you know, there's a lot of refining that needs to be done, certainly on the defensive end. Also has a lot of turnovers to his assists. It's not much of a passer, but, you know, refining is is always needed with a guy picked, what, 45th overall, who's only had a, a one year as a pro so far. The fact that his scoring is already where it is. I mean, that's, you know, across NBA and international play, like he's always scored, always scored. Like there's never been an instance since he's been drafted where he hasn't been able to score. Like make him passable on defense and he's a rotation player. It's that simple. I mean, the the shooting is still probably, not the shooting, excuse me, the the playmate, the lack of playmaking and, and propensity to turn the ball over is still problematic, but you look at, I mean, when you're handling and, and shooting as much as him, there's just going to be turnovers. It's just one of those things where, like, the turnover numbers are going to be there. Probably you just like to see some more assists as well. Um, but I do think part of that, too, is, you know, playing a lot of garbage time with the Bucks, not always out there with a lot of offensive threats and a lot of his minutes. But there's so much potential. And to just see him take a step forward, really anywhere but scoring would be so positive. So, yeah, getting to watch Wara is definitely going to be my highlight for Summer League. I mean, one of the things that I'm curious, particularly is he's going to have a bigger role and they can kind of shape the team around him if they want to, is what position is he? Like, what yep. what is his position? What is his role? What do you want to shape him towards being? To me, it feels like we've talked about him more in, as a, in a kind of two-guard sense, where really now, if you look at his size, it's on the common eye here. I just went to check now. Given... Not always the most trustworthy. Um, the books haven't listed at six eight going to summer league. He was six seven at the draft. I don't know whether that's actually true that he's grown. They also had him at eleven years old, so let's not. I was gonna get to that. <laughs> so, he's now, you know, he's someone you should be saving. Everyone should be tanking for you know the first overall pick to be used on this eleven year old six eight guy who's like putting thirty three point games up at the Olympics. That sounds like someone that everyone should be after in the future. But it's really I, I'm I'm curious to what type of player they want him to trend towards. Like he's got the scoring down. You you rightfully say it'd be great to see him show something else. Maybe they're okay with him being like a scoring wing, scoring forward though. But you kind of need to see them okay start to funnel him towards that kind of role where he then picks up over time some of the other attributes and skills you'd want for that. Or maybe it is that well, you see him more as a two-slash-three, and he's going to have to do some ball handling, or it'd be better if he could pass without the turnovers, and you work towards that. I mean, that's kind of the question, and it might come down to which of his, I guess, which of his weaknesses you feel there's the the most realistic scope to improve on. It's like, can you make him a good defender at the three-slash-four? Like, will he have the physical tools? Will he, will he be smart enough? Is he better served to defending that position against guys who they might have athleticism, but they're not quite as fast as what he would if he was down. I, I think that's the kind of balance that the books are going to have to work that out. If they're going to give him real minutes and we're going to see a chance for him to become a real player. I'd like to see that start at summer league. So I'm kind of intrigued because, you know, it's, it's easy and you look through the roster, it would be easy to kind of project out a starting five that gets you the best possible combination of starting five. I'm not interested in that. I want to see what the five that suits what Jordan Moore's position is. As much as if they win a summer league championship, great. You know, I'll have I'll have some jokes. I'll have some fun with that. 
But really, it doesn't matter. Like, for example, Theo Pinson, who's played with the Nets and the Knicks, is a good player, like a very solid pro. And a very, uh, sorry to cut in, but very high character. I don't think he played that much for the Knicks last year, but everybody loved him because he's, you know, very celebratory guy and very team first guy. For example, and I'm not saying that he's not going to play, but he's obviously one of the best players and the most proven players on this team. But I don't want to see the books putting out a team that's designed around making sure he's out there so you have the best chance of winning a game. I want to I want to see what's the team that gives me or you know, maybe it's it's an oversimplified approach because what you want to see is spells of minutes. I want to see uh one lineup where it's like, okay, this is the kind of maximize Jordan Moore or imagine what he will be asked to do as an NBA player. Okay, then this one is let's put the Akita in a position where we're testing what the books will need him to do. Same for same for Sandman. You know, you've got to work your way through that. And that's the ideal use of Summer League, although it's always kind of up in the air whether a team will approach it that way until you get there. Like part of that, I think there are probably some obligations. If guys agree to come and be part of your roster, you want to give them minutes because this is their audition to go get a deal somewhere else, if not with you in Milwaukee or in Oshkosh. Um, but that's for me, I just, I don't know what Jordan Moore's position, his role is, what he's best served at doing, but if they could go away towards working it out, that'd be great. Sandman, I just want to, I want to see the weirdness. I feel like I could easily be won over by him and be completely and utterly obsessed this time next week. And this could turn into, you know, (laughs) just the Matt McCullough's really podcast. This could be all I talk about from now on. Don't you be pledging for Zaza to play in the 2023 oh, Euro Oh, I'm not saying I don't want that. I just think there's, <laughs> there's a bit of work for Zaza to do to make that a reality. Um, I also do really want to see Diakide, because right now Diakide might be the most important of these three guys to the books next year. Like, we all know War is in a better position to contribute, but look at the makeup of their roster. Diakide's the guy who... They, what happens if Brooke gets injured? Seriously, with the roster as it stands, what happens if Brooke gets injured? You've got Bobby at the five, Giannis playing his backup, and that's it. Like, it's then Diakide time, so he'd, he'd have to play in a real way. Like, if worst came to worst, if Bobby or Brooke got injured and you're going towards the playoffs, it's like you would have no way of not having to play Diakide some. So if they're keeping him on the roster and he's going to be that kind of guy, I want to see something from him beyond kind of not to be harsh, but some of the empty calorie stuff that I think he can do by way of his athleticism at a G League level, at a summer league level. I just I want to see him kind of assert himself more than anything. And I mean physically assert himself. He's pretty rail thin. He's only six nine, right? I think that's the Akita's height. That's his listed yeah. height, so which at is best. probably generous. Yeah. Like I want to see him go and battle and grab rebounds and play like a big because that's what he's going to need to be for the books. Like there's just no prospect of him ever playing as a four with the books when you bring Bobby Portis back and you've got Giannis and you've also got like Rodney Hood, Chris, Pat. You've got lots of wings yeah. who can easily play up in smaller lineups. I'm going to be really fascinated to see how they play like Diakite and or. Mamu and or like a guy like Jamario Jones, who is kind of like a small four. Like, are they going to play Sandman as a center in summer league? And it doesn't necessarily tell you how they feel about him long term or anything like that. But 
I am going to watch to see like how often they try and keep him with out there with another more traditional defensive center. Like I guess Diakite is not really traditional, but someone they see as a five or even like, you know, your EJ Montgomery or, or Steven Enoch or whoever else they want to put out there. Or one of these guys who's like a legit six ten. I mean, Enoch is listed at two sixty. Uh, EJ a little bit smaller than that, but that's what I'm going to be interested to see with, with Sandra. I think we're going to see the fun weirdness. There's going to be some cool passes, but do they try to make him a center or do they try to keep him out there with other forwards? I think that's going to be, cause I think they could have really fun lineups that are like, you know, Sandro, Jamario, Wara, and then two of the various guards who are, uh, who are going to be there. It'd be nice to see Elijah Bryant there the cast. I know the cast. But he, they, they, you look at this roster, like the guards are not super inspiring. I like Brandon Randolph, former herd player. I hope he gets a shot maybe to start even. Um, I'm not a huge Theo Pinson guy. Just has been such a good G League player, has never been a good NBA player. And I think you just you run into that he, from he's time one to of those, time. He's, we, we talked about this like endlessly. He's like Xavier Mumford from yeah. a couple years. Like these guys are – Clearly above the G League, but just don't. There's not the NBA kind of. I think no, no NBA team gave X the shot he deserved. Honestly, I think. I agree. I think. I think even with the books, I think he had some minutes where it's like, you know what, a lot of stuff he can do could actually translate. He he probably got a raw break and just timing of it for a lot of recent G League guys and um, people that in the herds time definitely. And we've talked about like COVID has completely derailed their career. So guys who kind of are in one year out the next, it's, it's very tough uh, for that reason. I mean, the, the one thing when I spoke to uh, Lucas Harkins on the post draft pod, um, I don't know anything about most of these players. Like I'm sure most people listening will know more about Mike Smith out of Michigan than I do, but the way he described him seemed like a very good kind of pass first kind of guy who could do a lot of facilitating on a roster like this, maybe the kind of point guard you do want out there if you're going to get Jordan Moore to do a lot. Um, that that could be something they look for too. And I know he was very excited about Jalen Crutcher, Jalen Clutcher, as Lucas referred to him, being on this team because he said, look, he's just not an NBA player in terms of his size or a lot of his makeup, but he can really play and he can make shots when it matters. And uh, Lucas kind of earmarked him as someone who could be very, very interesting to watch in this setting. So, look, they've got decisions to make just in terms of what way they go. Like, they've all kinds of different different varieties of guards. It's just what direction they go in. Um, okay, herd guys, actual herd guys that you know of. You mentioned Brandon Randolph, but Jamario Jones is someone here that is probably deserving of some extended discussion. Ty Windish can't even, he can't contain it. You know, he couldn't save for the pod. He had to go tweeting about Jamario Jones' disorder when we were talking about talking about on the pod. So here we are, Ty. I know, Jordan, I, I said this as well. You may not have seen it. I said it in our chat. But I think you actually wrote a, an article about Jamario Jones and his G League play in a way that as much as um, we used to cover the herd at Behind the Book Pass, it was very rare for a player to just break out beyond that. And Jamario Jones was someone who warranted that. So we'll start with Ty and then we can go to you as well, Jordan. But what is it about Jamario Jones that makes him special? Why should people who weren't paying attention in the past when all three of us have spoken about Jamario Jones, um, why should they be keeping an eye out from this time? 
Jamario Jones is to rebounding what PJ Tucker is to wing defense. Like it's his craft. Like I use the term generational on Twitter in terms of Jamario Jones as a rebounder and someone questioned it. And like, here are some Jamario Jones rebounding stats. I have seen him in person with equal positioning beat taco fall for rebounds. Taco fall is what? Seven foot five, seven foot six, six. Jamario Jones is six, five. He's six foot five. He's the best rebounder I've ever seen live. It's no question. He's, it's incredible how good of a rebounder he is. I've tried to ask him about it. He doesn't understand the fact. He's just like, I just go for rebounds. It's not really a big deal. I don't know what it is, but he's tremendous at rebounding. He averaged 12 rebounds per game with the Wisconsin Herd. I can't remember now. He either did or was on pace to destroy the G League single season rebounding record. But I think it was a season that got cut short. So he might have been stopped from doing it. But I thought he might have actually done it. Just again, six foot five. Like, there's not a ton of size in the G League, but there are seven footers. Again, a seven foot six guy, like, that literally could not rebound him. He set a college record in his conference for rebounds. He's played six NBA games, all with the Lakers. And I actually, my Jamario Jones, not conspiracy theory, but like legitimate theory, is if he wasn't included as a throw in for salary for the AD trade and rerouted to the Washington, he might have been a Laker for a couple more years. Like, LeBron liked him. I think Jamario's pick on. Twitter, maybe his header is still like bench LeBron celebrating with him after a a big moment in one of those late season Laker games. He's played six NBA games. Two of them were less than six minutes. So out of the four times he's played at least double digit minutes, three times he got double digit rebounds. Two times he got at least 15 rebounds, six NBA games, two with at least 15 rebounds and two of them he barely played it. Like he's such a good rebounder. He's a good defensive player. He's a good passer. He gets a lot of assists in the G League, too. And even in the NBA, he has a five-assist game. So he's like he's not similar that similar to PJ as a player. They're both undersized forwards who can play a lot bigger. But Jamario's his plus-plus is rebounding. His plus is passing. He's not a good shooter. He shoots. He thinks it's, he could he's be He's not a, even a willing shooter, too. He'll shoot. Yeah, he's like two attempts a game, and they, they just yeah. they don't go in. Um, he thinks he could be a scorer, but he says he's not selfish enough to do it i don't know how serious that was or if that was just him uh razzing jalen adams and some other guys on the team at the time on the herd but um rebounding great passing quite good defense quite good uh a pretty unselfish player um and just like definitely i would say that same kind of tenacity dog like like a, a, a guy who fires up his teammates in a big way he was instrumental to the best herd season ever. And I'm glad to see him back with the, with the Bucks org, at least for summer league, hopefully for more than that. I think, I think they still have his bird or bird rights. G league they should rights. have his G league. Sorry, rights. Uh, he, he, bird rights. <laughs> he played in the, uh, in the G league bubble with the Delaware yeah. blue coats. But they, and again, but I, uh, yeah, I don't know how that worked. He should I think still. they said that whoever previous affiliate for like when it was like full league instead of how it was. Right. For, the yeah. weird. Yeah. I love no. this. Still had eight rebounds a game with Delaware despite playing 20, 26 <laughs> minutes a game. He, he won't stop. To Ty's point, he was probably the most instrumental player to that herd team. Just because, yeah, you can have 20 point per game scores like Frank Mason and Jalen Adams and all that stuff. But, like, you still need the kind of defensive spine that they needed to make things work. And they were playing very small. Like, obviously, Jamario Jones is 6'5 and was essentially forward, you know, break starter slash center, like all these different things. But, like, Luke May was 
you know, uh, uh, basically their, you know, center and starting every game and he was six eight six nine whatever the case may be like they're doing that a lot and they were playing you know some teams off the floor in some cases they were just like the bucks that year they were just a well-oiled machine they knew who they were how they how their roles intersected and blended together and just all that good stuff and jameer jones was a you know not the biggest reason why they were, you know, as successful as they were or the most like pronounced reason why, because obviously Frank Mason won G league MVP that year, but without him, a lot of that stuff doesn't click into place. Like, you know, how it did. Um, so I, yeah, just rebounding defense. I think even Lou Williams, when he, when Jamario Jones is on the Lakers, he had like a funny anecdote about like, I don't know who this guy is, but he's just like, he's really bringing it to me. He's like, I got to bring up my game. If that was, it's the last couple of games of the regular season, all that stuff. And he's like going full court and picking him up 94 feet. Like he's just that kind of, he's like a thin, like a thin, I was about to say thin nasty, thin uh, like player, but without like kind of like the hoorah or just like constant energy. He's a little more subtle in that way. But like, if he gets going, he will obviously bring kind of the, the noise up and cr- get the crowd to its feet and all that stuff. So yeah, he's just like, again, very, um, very weird, weird player. Super weird. weird. Player and, I love it. Exactly. Yeah, I know that's, it's what I liked about him when he was at the herd. It, that's what piqued my interest. Then I like it even more now that he could be sharing the court with Sandman. I mean, it's, it's oh not going to get much weirder than that. Like, <laughs> like if they're a four or five pairing, I don't even, it, it would just be incredible. I don't know if it makes sense, but just do it for amusement. The difference in size, and yet one guy is much more like a big, like the yeah. small guy is more like a big than the big is. It's crazy. I mean, it's so worth emphasizing what... his his Lakers stuff though, just again because I think one of the things when he initially broke through, I was skeptical. It's like great, he's six five and he's rebounding the hell out of the ball in the G League. Real size and real centers in the G League is an issue. You know, it's it's part of why those guys do still get drafted as much as everyone's like, oh, you know, bigs don't get drafted anymore. Yes, they do. There may be fewer of them who kind of make the cut, but enough of them still do. And it's tough to find them at kind of lower levels. But in his, his six games with the Lakers, where he averaged just under 24 minutes per game, like the 8.2 rebounds there, like for 36, that's 12.3 rebounds, which is exactly the kind of numbers he was putting up in the G League. It does not matter who he's up against. He just six five of them, all six five of them manages to go and get rebounds. On that great herd team, there were six lineups that were better than plus twenty five on the whole on the season. Jamario Jones, the only player in all six, like literally all of their best lineups. Guys are up and down. I mean, you got DJ Wilson in here, Jalen Adams, Ray John Tucker in some of these. Cam Reynolds, who I would have liked to see on the summer league roster. Uh, Luke May, as you mentioned, uh, Jordan Frank Mason, of course, if I hadn't said him, Dragon Bender, so many players in and out of the lineup. I think Justin Patton probably wasn't there enough to be in any of these are just top total plus minus aggregates. He was on that team, a very good center. Jamario just instrumental all the way throughout. It still sucks that that team didn't get a shot at the playoffs because they were so good, man. But yeah, he's, he's just, he was a winning player for them. And I think that's the kind of player he is. Any other summer league thoughts? Any other players or anything we haven't touched on? It feels like we've probably covered it all. Jordan, do you have any more? I have a one small note, but I think that's about it. Um, I'm I'm interested in Jalen Crutcher. Clutcher. Uh, Clutcher. Um, 
I'm trying to think. EJ Montgomery, who knows if he signs a two-way deal? <laughs> joke. That's a joke. Um, <laughs> John Mooney, I, I think, was, did pretty well in Australia last year from what I briefly researched. Demetric Trice, brother of Travis Trice, former Hurt oh, player yeah. as well. I was thinking Not about when I saw Trice. Is that the case? Yeah. Yes, yeah, he, uh, yeah. He, he went down to connection. see him while he was at, with the Hurt, I believe. Yeah, that's right. Went down yeah. to catch a game. Um, Brandon Randolph, like you said, he came very late. He was not maybe not as late as uh, Patton that year. No, but, he like, was there longer. So I, I have some quick numbers. He just on, didn't play that much. That's yeah. initially that's what it was. Yeah. yeah. So January and February, his minutes steadily is ten minutes a game in January when you arrive with the herd that season, up to sixteen in February. And three games in March, he was really coming along and finding a role with some some roster upheaval there. In 29 minutes a game, he was at 13 points and shooting the lights out of the ball, like 43% from deep. He's not been that kind of player across the rest of the year and, and the campaign, but I think they like what he can offer on defense. He's kind of a springy six foot six, kind of like halfway between guard and forward, but some pop can handle a little bit, shoot a little bit, an in- interesting player. So Brandon Randolph, it'll be fun to see uh, what he can do. And again, like I think there's going to be room for guards to move into the lineup. The thing too, he was a thirty fourth uh, or thirty fourth, thirty fifth um, RSCI. That's like the aggregate like cal or collegiate mm-hmm. rankings. He was thirty fifth. Like that's pretty significant. I granted, he is a very raw talent, all that stuff. But there, obviously, there's something there that they have kept him around this long, nearly over eighteen months at this point. Um, yeah. I want to get a you know better look at him if they if he has a bigger role. Who was the player that our friend Lucas was excited about? Or did he, or was it, wasn't there, well, didn't you guys go over some summer league commits? Was it Crutcher? No, oh, it was Crutcher. It was Jalen Crutcher. Okay. That's he, he's yeah. the one who gave him Jalen Crutcher for me. That's, yeah. trust me, I did not have that myself. I did not know. <laughs> Jalen Crutcher could walk right by me right now and I would not know who he is. That will change later tonight. Actually, no, Aunt, I will not be watching this live. I will change tomorrow <laughs> for me. Um, schedule for those of you listening and interested it you know this is a very friendly adam friendly schedule aside from this opening game so the books open it up on monday night against the clippers at cox pavilion uh, 8 p.m central tip off for that then on wednesday they're in action against the nets at 3 p.m 3 p.m then you know true until um whatever bracket games from there so friday against the timberwolves and sunday against the wizards so yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to those games being on at reasonable times for me. That's a big plus. And hopefully, you know, the ultimate test of Sandman is, is he fun enough that I don't instantly hate watching Summer League basketball? And it, it's a lot to ask. Like, it's a lot to ask. I don't know if I'd be It's a big solid. burden to put on him. Don't put that burden on <laughs> Well. He kind of he might be putting it on himself. I don't know if either you saw the video the books put out of practice yesterday, or the tweet that I put out where I took two screenshots from it. Um, but he was being interviewed and he was talking about just how much he loves. Oh Marley. yeah. He's like, I was like, this can't be real. Like the the bits I screenshot so that I have to give the exact quote. I wouldn't like to take this out of context. You know, I've been a little kid watching summer league games. That's all I've got. And I don't know. I don't know if that's good for any little kid. Maybe his draft stock would have been harder if he higher if he hadn't had to watch uh, <laughs> summer league games. I don't know if it's the the kind of basketball I'd like to put in front of a draft prospect. But 
it's a big moment. Big moment for Sandra Mamakulashvili. So we'll see how he shows up at Summer League. I think that's it. Actually, you know, one thing that came up that I completely forgot about and uh, Jordan may have joked about, but Ben Sullivan going to the Celtics was the other piece of news. Any any thoughts on this? Any kind of... Not really. Uh, well, he also came, for, he also came well, from the Spurs too, right? Yeah, so there is... A, my so, only my yeah. only thing was I feel like this is, this is just me speculating. Bringing Oppenheimer back kind of pushed him out of the role he'd been in. I don't know. It, it He just... To me, it seemed like he had become a more peripheral figure. Um, actually, the person that I think I'd, I'd noted a few times and he ended up missing then, you know, the winning moment because he, he had COVID or was a close contact was Pat St. Andrews, who yeah. it was actually striking just how much he seemed to be like by Bud's side, having moved up the bench, where a couple of years before that, or even the year before that, that was very much kind of Ben Sullivan's place as the next guy amongst that. And it, it did feel like that changed. There may have been a front-to-bench-to-back-to-bench kind of swap there. So I, I do find it interesting. Like, it's going to be one to track just how the staff shakes out from here. Like, are, is everyone really going to stick around? I wouldn't be surprised if someone like Darwin moves, takes a sideways move just to be like, let's just get a new spot and that might help me. You know, go and be a part of something somewhere else. It's the kind of thing that you see assistants when they don't get the top job for a long time, they at some point are like, okay, well, yeah, I'm going to move just to see if that kind of freshens it up and brings my name into conversations from a different perspective. So I wouldn't be shocked if either Darwin or or Charles Lee do that. Obviously that would be a big loss for the books, but I think as, as this kind of um, coaching staff, um, musical chairs, which we could have this off season as it, is going to go. It feels like Ben Sullivan's role has changed, and that's just from very much the outside looking in. But that was my only thought, is it, it felt like with Oppenheimer coming back even, a lot of the work that we were seeing Ben Sullivan do with Giannis when Bud first came in, it was back to Giannis and his kind of, his longer term, I guess, um, workout partner and shooting coach and all of that stuff through much of last season. That's yeah, definitely a, a, Spurs, a Spurs connection there. Um, also, they have the same hometown, Sullivan and, and uh, Udoka. That's right. Uh, they're both from Portland. Damon Stoudemire, also from Portland, who was Udoka's teammate on the Spurs in 08. Will Hardy has been brought on. He was also a Spurs assistant coach. So a ton of Spurs and, and Portland ties on the new Celtics coaching staff. Boston Spurs. Boston Spurs. <laughs> hey, we won't um, make fun of that because, you know, as much as it can diverge from that path, We've uh, we've reaped some rewards from the books actually yeah, going yeah, with that. You we, know? Can't, we can't criticize that at all. Uh, <laughs> and shout to uh, Darren Hartwell at NBC Sports, who had a lot of those fun facts in an article. Good I stuff. did not know where these assistant coaches were from. <laughs> I was, I was really impressed. I mean, if you hadn't given the shout out that was deserved there, I was going to, we'd finish up and I'd be like, wow, Ty, that was, yeah, I did not, not so know much. that you had Ben Sullivan's hometown and all of the other assistants in the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, memorized for a moment like this, but good work. 
All right, I think that's pretty much it for the moment. We will be back, I'm sure, at some point during the week to talk Summer League. Um, oh, yeah. To talk Sandman's, like, 55-point game or <laughs> something along those lines. It's probably more likely that, that Jordan yeah. Warwick could do that. But <laughs> yeah. um, who knows? Maybe 55 assists for Sandman. Maybe that's there we go. more like it, you know? Jamario Jones, 55 15, 15, and 15. <laughs> yeah, Jamario might have 50 That's I love it. They all go for 55 in different categories. That's what we're looking for for, for this Summer League team. Uh, but until then, thanks again to all of you for listening. Ty, I don't know, have, have we got any reviews? Do you want to do a review on here? I'm probably putting you on the spot. Oh, man. I mean, I can... Got, I think we did, but I'll check quick. I can put the call out now anyway, as always, as I put it, you know. Jordan and I will appreciate it, but really, it's to keep Ty and Rohan happy. So... If, if you'd like, if you enjoy what we do, go give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and leave a review. If you leave the review and it's five stars and only if it's five stars, Ty Windish, yes, that Ty Windish, or Rowan Caddy, yes, that Rowan Caddy, they'll <laughs> read it out in the show. Yeah, so we got one I can read part of. Um, okay. From five-star review from adam scalabrine there's a little bit of shade uh to some some other folks so we're gonna skip the beginning but um merging with winning six made it that much more enjoyable is where i will pick up this review uh i love listening to all of you guys i think this is one of the only places i've heard actual competent bucks fans i thought i had skipped all the shade i guess not um jordan probably talks the least but i respect it because pretty much everything that comes out of his mouth is true Rose, boom. boom. <laughs> that's, that's fire. Um, uh, where were we? Rohan is fun to listen to because we think alike and for the most part says great stuff. So this might be a Rohan burner. Adam has a dope accent but says controversial things sometimes. And then we're getting back to a, a just a, something that must just be true about me. Ty, oh, Ty. He's like the Bobby Portis of the podcast for me. When he's hitting on stuff, it's like all caps, yes. And when he's not, it's like, bro, I hope Rohan does his what thing. But yeah, you guys are sweet. Bucks in six. What's y'all favorite Bucks meme center? I always had a soft spot for Greg. I'm I'm hit or miss. It's 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 Eurostep Podcast Network canon now. Greg Greg was great for memes. Like really one, great. Yeah. The one in the locker room with the microphone and there there was multiple. He was really good for that. I remember like him being worked out by trainers uh, on the court somewhere. It's only goes Pfizer form and some great, really, really good for memes. Jordan doesn't remember that. Well, Jordan, I'll send you. I've got them all still. <laughs> um, I could send them. But hey, um, look, more memes. Lo- Brooke Lopez, not bad as a meme center either, by the way. Or the, a real center. the clap. The clap is all time. But yeah, okay. Thanks for, I'm still, for that review. Miles Plumley, though, for me. It's Miles Plumley mm, for me. Different kinds of memes. All right. A meme is a meme. Sure. Um, yeah, there was a lot. There was a lot with Miles Plumley. Moving on and wrapping up. <laughs> As always, subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. You'll find us at the Eurostep Podcast Network. That's where you'll get Jordan and I on Win and Six. That's where you get Ty and Rowan on the Eurostep. And that's where you get all four of us on our frequent crossover episodes. Until the next time, thanks again to all of you for listening. Thank you, Ty. Thank you, Jordan. Of course. Yeah, sorry. Yes. Jordan's muted. Ty. Jordan's muted. Yeah, Jordan's Ty muted, made it. I think. Thank you. Oh, God. <laughs> what a mess. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.